Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Matt Johnson. We are back with another episode of the Team Building Podcast. We've got a couple of amazing guests with us today. This is going to be a really fun and in-depth episode all about overcoming the pain of expansion, how to how to hire, train, recruit, onboard, basically how to fill the seats on the bus with the right people, keep them happy, create a great culture so that they stay and really support the vision of what you're building. And we've got, uh, we'll get to the guests in a second. First of all, let's bring in Jeff Cohn, the, uh, the, the man I affectionately call the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> who's dressed so, so elegantly for today's. I appreciate, Jeff, that you Always. really take the time to really deck out. Um, Would you I, like is, is that, is that a bespoke? A, is that a bespoke polo? It is the summer. Um, okay. It's 92 degrees today, shockingly, in Nebraska. Yeah. And so I considered wearing my suit, but then I realized I wasn't a banker, and I'm in flip-flops and golf shorts today, Matt. Um, <laughs> I did want to point out, though, your background while we're in the, the moment of pointing fingers doesn't it look like he's in the opening scene of Bourne, one of the Jason Bourne movies, and he's about to break out of the holding station? That's right. You can't you hold me down. You've got the security camera up in the corner. It's awesome. But no, man, like always, I'm pumped to be here. And it was amazing. We have Kathy on the line. She jumps on first time ever on a Blue Jeans live stream and says, oh, you can see me? And I'm like, well, that could have been awkward. And then she starts talking to this random person that's on the bed in the hotel room and invites him to jump on. So we have the random stranger here with us today as well. Um, and I was very impressed. He looks great with the, the hat and the non-shave look. So I'm trying to look like you. <laughs> well, first of all, Rich and Kathy Fecky, just wanted to welcome you guys. So just in case the audience doesn't know, you guys are coming at it from the investment angle. Although, Kathy, you are a licensed agent. You have that background. But so you guys are the Goldman Sachs, like most intriguing entrepreneur two years in a row. Uh, you've hit the Inc. 5000 list now for multiple years for the fastest growing companies. Uh, Kathy, you're a repeat guest on you know everything from CNN, MSNBC and all kinds of good stuff. Uh, and you've built the real world, uh, real wealth network. Uh, and I've actually interviewed one of your guys on my other podcast and was really intrigued by the concept of what you built. We'll get to that in a second. But first of all, I just wanted to officially welcome you guys and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, this is the guy We're, I dragged in from. That's right. <laughs> yeah, Otherwise known as, as Rich Fecky, my, my co-CEO. Yes, <laughs> you have to be able to dance in the moment when you're married to Kathy Fecky. Oh, Fecky's. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I have an interview this morning, and you're on it. <laughs> that's right. It's awesome. Good job, oh, guys. Man. So, Kathy, give us kind of the, uh, for those that aren't familiar, like the 60-second overview of what the, uh, the Real Wealth Network is, just so people understand kind of where you're coming from and what you guys have built. Yeah, well, we help people build wealth through real estate so that they can live life on their own terms, just create that passive income to uh, to be able to be in uh, in Phoenix and, and be working and or not working uh, to just, yeah, live life the way you want. And, and a lot of that is helping people define what real wealth means to them. And that's really where Rich comes in as a certified coach for many years. He, he wrote the book Extreme Success. And he, he helps people see that vision because if you don't, if you don't know where you're headed, you're just on that rat race constantly. So he, he brings to our investors that, you know, what, what is it you're doing this for? And that'll help clarify. 
Yeah, it's a big piece of it. And to further that, what we do at Real Wealth Network is we help people get into investment real estate as appreciating assets and assets that are going to create that cash flow. So that cash flow is how they can have that money to live life on their own terms. Yeah. And Jeff, that's the uh, that's the path that you're on. For those that don't know, Jeff, just give, give people a brief overview of the, um, let's say, I think you got what, what would you consider three toes uh, dipped into the water of investing at this point? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I've noticed is kind of a trend with residential real estate agents is 99% of them help people buy and sell real estate, but they don't. And it's the biggest miss in investing in the industry Mm -hmm. is that residential realtors don't invest in their own single family or multifamily property and they help all these other people do it. So um, I started taking all of my disposable income 10 years ago when I was a poor, just recently graduated college student. And every dime I earned, I started putting it into rental property at 24 years old. And so now, you know, 10 or 15 years later, um, I've built a nice portfolio of rentals, but I'm now trying to get out talking to other agents about not only leveraging and scaling their real estate businesses, but then um, addressing the fact that a lot of them aren't using disposable income effectively. They're blowing it on Porsches and big houses and not using enough percentage of it to help invest in their future so that they can live the life of their dream, which could involve work or like you pointed out, might not involve work, but at least they're empowered to live the life the way they want to live it. And I love what you guys said in the beginning, which is defining what wealth means to them. And it's all about our perception of what wealth is and what we want to accomplish in our life. So I think we're going to have a really fun call today. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Kathy, give us an idea uh, of what the, uh, what the team for real wealth network looks like. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, my, my husband, Rich, has really helped build that team. When we first started, uh, you know, Rich is a, was, a, was doing mostly coaching, uh, business coaching and personal coaching. And I was, uh, you know, a mortgage broker and business just took off because I had a, a show in San Francisco called The Real Wealth Show and, and just started interviewing people. I, I was so I, I didn't want to be one of those real estate agents that had a fancy car, but nothing else, you know, and, uh, I, and, uh, and so I was desperately trying to learn how to build wealth and interviewing people. And, uh, and so all of a sudden my audience grew, people wanted to learn that too, how to, uh, how to acquire real estate that actually makes you money and doesn't uh, lose money. And so our audience grew and our, uh, I was, one of the busiest mortgage brokers in the San Francisco, San Francisco Bay Area as a result of that of the Real Wealth Show. And so I, all of a sudden, what do you do? You got to hire somebody. Now, fortunately, my husband had owned uh, a gym, a uh, world gym back mm-hmm. in um, Boston. So he knew how to do that. Uh, he kind of helped me hire that first person on Craigslist. And she ended up, by luck, being fantastic. But then we had a few more not so not so great. So, <laughs> to get some frogs. <laughs> wow, and and so it really it, everything sort of changed for us when we when we did a mastermind or like a, a coaching program where yeah. we had to really learn um, be, be be slow to hire, quick to fire. Yeah, and I think a, a big part of it too is we got we got even more clarity on our vision of what we're about, what we're our purpose is as a company. And when we got really crystal clear on the purpose and the vision of where we wanted to be, then we also got clear on our core values. And those core values is what's just really solidified our culture and had our team really work together as a really kind of an inspired team. Because yeah, it was like higher to your values. Once you know those core values, it's pretty, it's easier to, to sit across from somebody and see if they have the same values by, by the questions that you ask. And it was very quick for us to see that some of our early on employees did not share those values and, and uh, maybe weren't a fit anymore. 
So let me give you guys a quick follow-up that you might be able to help our audience members address. A lot of people listening have probably not established their core values where they've actually written them down. I know a lot of people don't have a mission statement written down, but I know that most people I meet with, especially business professionals, they have an idea of what their values are, what they want to try to represent. What are some tangibles that you could help you know, our audience members with of things that you can do in that interviewing process to verify that those that we're interviewing actually have those values or are a good might be a good fit for your culture? I think it's starting first with the founders with their core values and getting clear on what are your core values. And we all have we all have the same values. We just rank them in a different order. So there's a different importance. So really sitting down, Kathy and I sat down together and said, what's important to us as people, as business people, as people who care about others that want to make a difference? And we came up with our core values. A connection was a big one. We love to connect people. We got really clear on that. Obviously, integrity was a big one and doing the right thing was a huge one for us. Uh, having fun, being silly, working playfully was another one that's important. We didn't want to have our work just be a grind and being entrepreneurial is another one that came up. So getting clear on those first, I think as an owner and getting those written down and then working together, if you have a partner, clarifying it. Or what we did is once we got clear on those, we brought them to like a two hour meeting with our team and we said, hey, what, what's important to you and your work and you working with a team? We had this whole value cluster up on a big whiteboard with all the different values. We narrowed it down and we said, okay, this and this are similar and these three are similar, grouped them into those big values and narrowed it down to our top nine values. So mm -hmm. I think it's that process of involving the team, getting their input and getting agreement. I think that's the first the first cool. stage in that. One of the challenges we've experienced, and I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way, is when you interview someone, they're always putting their best foot forward you know, and showing you their best side. And then two or three months later, they start to become the person they actually are and not the person you thought you hired. Yeah. <laughs> so what are, yeah. what are some things that we could do to protect ourselves from falling victim of hiring that wrong person? Um, one, of, one of the things we use is uh, Colby test. Have you heard of that? K-O-L-B-E, Colby test. So looking at mm -hmm. people's strengths, how they take action, what gets them started, that can bring up truths and it can bring up untruths. We mm. not too long ago hired someone who filled it out. And then when we got to her result, we we're like, this says you're really low on quick start. It means you're like a two, but we're looking for someone who's going to jump in and get things happening. This is the way things operate at Real Wealth Network. Sometimes at it's last minute. And all of a sudden she's like, well, I'm not really that. She started to change. So we get, it helped us kind of mm. pierce the veil and see where she may have tried to manipulate or look good. Uh, and we got more of the truth out of her. You know, she is really more of a lot of a quick start than we than she thought and we thought, or she was trying like to that. look like. Yeah, she's like trying that. to look more analyst. And so, yeah, and that's, that, I've heard that, that that's when you have like a standard set of questions, and the Colby helps kind of standardize that for you, you start to get a feel for when people are, you know, not, not necessarily ne intentionally manipulating, but anyway, you start like you ask the same questions or you put them through the same exact process yeah. and you'll start to notice things that you wouldn't have noticed because you're putting them through the same exact process over and over and over again. And you start to notice things that you that wouldn't have jumped out otherwise if you had just started from a blank sheet of paper with every single interview. Right. That's a great point. And I think a big one in that is the values So we, we slide our values in front of the new potential hires and say, which of these values really stand out to you is most important. And then there's that discussion, like you said, so you, you hear the same thing from different people. So, yeah, I think that's a big one. I do want to say that we've had two, you know, several people just BS their way through those because they knew what the job was and they wanted 
to uh, to be what what was needed as opposed to what they are. And and, um, you know, it turns out that our, our very second employee, Maggie, um, she totally <laughs> BS through everything, but she still was able to learn so quickly. And she she she's still with us eight, nine years later. We got her right out of college. So one of the things that we have learned is that in some cases, well, at least for me, if that person is is quality, you know, if, if they're just a solid uh, person that does fit our values, but, you know, they can be trained and learned. And so what I look for a lot of times is really just their heart and their uh, commitment and who they are as a person. And if we find out, wow, we hired this person and they are not right for this position, we'll kind of look and see where else could we put them where they would fit better. We know they just really wanted this job and maybe fudged their way into it. And and so that, that happened with um, someone recently where like, we really like her, um, this particular position isn't right. So then we, we found another need and she's just really killing it on the podcast actually. she's. It turns out she never told me, but she loves to edit and, and produce podcasts. So oh, we're like, wow. I need that. So, uh, so for me, it really is about who they are, and they can be they can be trained, and and you know, oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so you're looking less for skill than you are for drive, spark, self-starting, commitment, integrity, things like that, and then the values. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the values, and then beyond that, then if they have the skill that already matches up to something, that's like a bonus. Yeah, I mean, when it, of course, if we're if we're hiring a person to vet commercial properties, they need to have that, the experience. But mm-hmm. uh, but also, you know, we're an educational company. We're a real estate investor educational company that also has you know really great investments. And so, if we're bringing someone on and they're solid and they're intelligent and they're eager. You know, that, that's what we provide. We have a full Real Wealth Investor Academy. If that person sits down and watches those videos, they will be an expert. If they come to our events, and they listen to my podcasts, uh, you know, I'm not, again, I'm just not too worried about it. They'll learn. We're surrounded. It's the Real Wealth Network. We're surrounded with experts. So somebody who's really ready to just eat that up will become an expert faster than, than yeah. they would ever expect. Yeah. Awesome. I know Matt and um, Kathy and Rich, for our, for our group and our audience, a lot of our members have real estate teams or investment teams. And it's interesting because a lot of those people get compensated based on commission income. And I think that a lot of brokers are tempted and team leaders are tempted to hire anyone just thinking if they don't work out, you know, it's sink or swim. They don't work out. They're not going to get paid. They're going to leave. If they do work out, great. They'll make me money. But one thing we've found is that you can't just open a door and let anyone come in because culturally uh, just one or two rotten eggs can really spoil the whole bunch. Um, So we've been very intentional. Like you have, we do disc assessments Um, on the Tony Robbins side. They provide that free disc assessment. And we found like which personality traits match the best. But to your exact point, Kathy, um, we have found that sometimes even if someone comes in at a high SC, which is like your accountant personality, they, they too can be great salespeople um, by training and help us helping and leading them down that right path. But there's always a seat that they fit in. Um, if you've read The Five Dysfunctions of a Team with Patrick Lencioni, he talks about making sure you're in that right spot. And it's our job from a leadership standpoint to help place people in the right place. And the right place is where I feel where they are going to be the most successful. Because if they're just faking it, like you pointed out, I don't think they're ever going to have true satisfaction in their job. They're never going to have true happiness in their job because they're going to be in a seat that they shouldn't have been in. Mm-hmm. And they will be a cancer to the team. Yeah, I think that's a 
That is the big one. That's one of the things we we did a mastermind with uh, Clay Mask from the CEO of Infusionsoft, who's a good friend, and uh, he. That was the first thing he said. Is it, it's like those people that don't fit are truly cancerous, and it grows and grows. They spread that negativity. So you know, you just got to cut it out. Yeah. Basically, like let them yep. go as quickly as you can. And that's hard. Uh, that very first employee I said we found on Craigslist. There, when you are growing a company and you have somebody who's kind of been there since the beginning and has learned. Sometimes, as you grow, at least this was our experience, and I've heard it elsewhere. Um, they feel an entitlement that it's kind of their company, which is both good and bad. But in, in this case, she didn't ha- she was missing a core value of, of respect. And so when new people would come, she would like kind of steal their leads and, and be mean to them. Mm-hmm. And um, it was cancerous. And I, the hardest thing I've had to do was to, to fire this person who helped me build. But, it, but she, she just couldn't see. She actually hit one of her employees. It was, it was sad. <laughs> so we had to let her go. Uh, There's an entitlement problem there, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> that's quite the entitlement problem. Yeah, wow. yeah. <laughs> it's an extreme example. Yeah. Well, because but you can have that person who's sort of like, you know, like wants to control things because they've been there since the beginning and isn't comfortable with the growth. Yeah. And uh, and and was fearful. I think she was fearful that these yeah. new people would take her what whatever her position, and uh, so it just yeah wasn't a fit anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is where I find one of the things that dawned on me because I'm I'm a big football fan. I know Jeff, you are too. You played uh, you know high school football and stuff like that. And I, I love I've come to love the analogy of the football team and being a football coach, where you are forced, you are dictated by economic reality that you are fielding a new team every year. Right. And I think it would help a lot of entrepreneurs to think of it more like that, that, hey, like I, I'm in business, but most likely I can't remember who, who it was. It was a husband and wife team on the, on the company. The husband turned to the wife and said, you realize that the only person who's going to be left standing at the end of this thing is me and you. Like everyone else will kind of come and go. And I think entrepreneurs like we try to hold on to people so much. Um, hoping that that, you know, cause we, we, there's that friendship, there's that camaraderie. Um, but the people that help you build it are not necessarily the people that will get you to the next level. And that's okay. Like we need to like, look at it more in terms of, um, fielding the best team possible for this point in the business and doing what's right for the business. Does that make sense? Yep. It does. It's yeah, hard like though. That. You know, it is hard. we're very, very loyal, very loyal. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and so what we've been really, working on is is helping them grow too and and we treat our employees like family and we you know one of the things that um that rich set up recently was this profit sharing program and it's quite a a large chunk of profit that we share and and i just looked at him and thought man you know that's rare um to want to give so much and and he's like i you know what 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 did you say it was like what? What fun is it if if you have all the money and no friends? You know, it's kind of like, no, I want to share it. I want to share the wealth. I want. Uh, he, he does want our entire team to be there in the end. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that and that. But if they're not willing to do what it takes, then they can't. Right. They can't be right, there. Right. But if they're constantly willing to grow, I mean, we we send them to different trainings. Uh, to, to make sure that they are staying up to speed with the speed of the company. Yeah, and as much uh, professional growth stuff as personal growth. So we put a lot, you know, a lot of people yeah. through personal growth programs mm-hmm. to develop, to grow, to get out of the victim mindset or whatever's needed, better communication skills. It's been yep. really valuable. Yep. 
Rich, tell us and a little downside. bit about your book and how we can buy it. Uh, Amazon is <laughs> the mm-hmm. easiest place. It's called Extreme Success. Um, it's been out a long time. It came out in 2002. Simon & Schuster, wow. I landed a really good deal with Simon & Schuster and was speaking all over the country and all. And it's, um, I'm an extreme sports athlete, adventure athlete. So I compare a lot of those extreme adventures in uh, how to deal with fear, how to be more focused, how to be more in the moment, how to get the flow. So less struggle, more joy with work. So just to make this a little fun and spontaneous, what's been one or two of your most unique situations you've been in where you thought, uh-oh, this is it? <laughs> oh, geez. Well, like how many? Which which one? <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, it's funny. We were just talking about that last night when we were out going with the crew. I, I ride. I actually ride dirt bikes. I have one modded for my 300 pound frame. I drive. I ride a Suzuki 450. And oh, there's wow. been nice. a handful of jumps I've been on where, while in the air, I thought, "I wish I hadn't done this." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then wow. you have, then you have to switch to the "I got this," right? right I got it. But I'm got good. This. I'm good. But I got this. Shouldn't yeah, have I got done this. it. I got but this. I'm good. I got this. Yeah. And then so you I land, and you're like, "I'm never doing that again." So yeah, right. Until the next <laughs> Until time. Until you, you do. do. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, my, one of my big ones we were talking about last night was I was sky, skydiving at a new drop zone. They didn't really go over the landing pattern too well and i was stupid not to ask more questions and i went out in my in my landing pattern and went out over the freeway which you have to a little bit not realizing when you go over a freeway there's this real suck that you know just pulls the energy down and the, the wind or the heat or whatever and i dropped a lot couldn't make it over the power lines and there was these big power lines going across the road so i had to thread the needle and go under the power lines and thread through the what? street what? and under the power lines with your shoot open it's shoot on open yeah um made it made it through but went right into a uh, like a four foot deep swamp so was, uh, <laughs> oh, my there's... body was okay but my gear was not no there's there's far worse than that but i yeah. you know i would say really another one is a little freckle here and here which uh turned out to be melanoma and he mm. was told by the doctor this is not an ex- this is possibly from extreme sports but um <laughs> But he was told he had six months to live in 2000, right when the book came out. He was wow. at the top of his game. He was like the new Tony Robbins. That's how they were billing him. No offense to Tony. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and then, this, then he gets this news. And that's one of the things. If there's any life lesson, it's like you can, you can plan and prepare. And he does it all the time. And then life throws you curveballs. Rich, what were your yep. top three things you learned from that diagnosis? Now, looking back in retrospect, I'm sure that diagnosis changed your life and woke you up. What would you say are your biggest takeaways from that? It did. Um, good question. Um, I mean, the first one was, thank God that I did wake up because of doing personal development and growing and looking at, you know, writing my obituary before it was time to go. Things like that. Exercises we've done helped me get clear on how I wanted to live. So I remember going and saying to Kathy, I'm so glad that I didn't work my life away and I took time to be with our daughters and to spend some time to take, I took every Friday off to go, you know, do something for personal reasons. Right. And, um, yeah, so that was a big one. Um, awesome. and then how, how, how long have oh, you two been, been together? 20 years married and about 21 years, uh, two, before they were on, years before they were on camera, they gave each other a nice little smooch. And you can yeah. tell physically they're up against each other. Um, let's just get crazy. How about some marriage advice? 20 years. You two look really happy. Oh, man. I'll just I'll you're on vacation or... 
Oh, you know, it, it really comes down to the same thing we were talking about, about employees is if you, you can't just hire someone or marry someone and just kind of stop there. It's got to be a consistent process of development. And, and any, you know, if you're not bringing your employees up, if you're not bringing your spouse up, if you're not working together and growing together and constantly, you know, doing workshops together, I mean, we, we never, there's not a year that doesn't go by that we're not doing some kind of personal growth workshop or something. And then taking, you know, in the beginning, he was just so great about like, you know, we're, I'm taking you away for the weekend. We're going to be together, just you and me without the kids. And he would, you know, every month he would commit to that. And then life got busy and, and we forgot to do that. And it was just like, you know, we kind of looked at each other and go, wow, we haven't done that for a while. It was last year. So, you know, we did all, we went to uh, marriage counseling. We went to uh, tantra, classes. tantra classes. Like, wow, we got to nice. reconnect because 20 years is a long time. Yeah. And, and life takes over and our business is completely, you know, yep. it takes a lot of time. And, and so, uh, you know, you don't have to have problems to go to marriage counseling. It was just like, wow, we never, <laughs> you know, yeah. Well, and every, every marriage has together. their problems, too. It's One of the right. reasons I'm asking these questions, someone watching this might be like, wow, they've completely lost control of where they're going in this interview. And I'm in complete control and focus of why I'm asking these questions. And that is the highly successful people we interview, we find that they're very successful in not just their businesses, but outside of their businesses. And so it's fun to ask questions outside of real estate. And one of the things I've found with the people we recruit, we don't just ask them about their real estate business. I want to know what kind of life they lead because the type of life they lead will be um, a, a direct correlation to the type of real estate agent that they'll be a real estate investor or employee. And so to your point, when we work with people that come on board with us, we don't say, Hey, you know, how much money do you want to make? We say, what kind of life do you want to live? And back to your wealth point of wealth is all perception. And then our goal is to help them do A, B, C, D to be able to earn the income that they believe they need to earn to live the life that they want to live. And then we hold them accountable on a weekly basis to live that life. Too often That's people awesome. say, you know, next year we'll go to Disneyland. I'm like, just go now. It's like, it's like five grand, just put it on a credit card and go right. if that's one of your life goals. And so <laughs> yeah. people oftentimes aren't being intentional about leading and living the life of their dreams. They're just saying, oh, let's make six figures because that's what society tells me I should be making to be successful. And that's a big thing for employees too. Have you read uh, The Dream Manager? That yeah, book? incredible book. Yeah. yeah, so we started to implement that. And after I read that book, I'm like, wow, I have this whole coaching background of 15 years of coaching people and we weren't really doing that with our team. And mm -hmm. so after reading that book, we set up, I do a monthly call with each of our directors. And we look at number one, we look at their personal goals, their vision, their dream, where they want to go. That's been transformational yep. with our, our team. I think that's awesome. One of the things our team does too culturally um, and on the lines of the dream manager is a lot of people want to travel, especially living in the Midwest. You guys covered coast to coast. I think your bookends, right? Boston and San Francisco. And so you've gotten to be a, go yes. a lot of places in the Midwest. A lot of us haven't traveled very often. And one of the things I always dreamed I could have received was a team trip. If I had sold enough real estate, I thought, man, that'd be cool if my broker would pay for me to go on a trip. Well, they never did. But you build mm -hmm. your own Disney. And within my organization, we have a different sales incentive every year. And if a pe person makes that incentive, we travel together. And so then we That's check one cool. of those bucket list trips off the list together as a family unit and I like to think yeah. of us as a family as well. And who travels? I mean, most people only travel with their family. So when we travel with our team, it endears, you know, each of the agents to yeah. each other and just helps solidify that culture. 
Amen. We do the same thing, and, and we, we'll get a big Airbnb, and everybody stays in the same place, and we're in our pajamas <laughs> yeah. having coffee together. And we it's all ski awesome. together, or we all go yeah. surfing together, or, yeah, do some That's adventures. Awesome. Yeah. And, yeah. and we Very actually cool. stopped doing it, and we had one of our high-level employees who is totally corporate dude, totally East Coast, like, get it done, get it done. And he calls, he's like, man, you know, I joined this company because you guys were like family and we, we haven't done anything family lately. Like, yeah, I <laughs> like the family was starting to lose its family's core. Right? So. What's up yeah. with that? Yeah, that's been, a, big, a big thing for me has been to share my wealth and the success I've experienced because of the labor of those around me. And so I've every time I buy a really nice car or a cool vehicle or, you know, I, I'm building a nice house right now, I'm always trying to share those things with our group. Even this coming Friday, we're doing a pool party at my new house. And I'm always trying to do stuff like that just to show everyone they are family. I mean, who else do you invite to your pool party other than your family yeah, and your closest friends? That's great. Right. Well, love it. What are well, some hey guys, other I'm, things I'm, that I, yeah, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, Kathy, I was I was curious. Uh, we talked a little bit about this before uh, before we got to today in the actual live show. So I wanted to get this across to the the audience and give you a chance to share this. What are what are some of the very last things that you and Rich handed off to kind of your high level people, and what are the things that you and Rich still are very actively involved in because you don't want to hand that off to somebody else. That is such a great question. I, you know, when you start out, you're doing everything, right? Everything. And and so just for anyone to take anything off your plate is fantastic. And and so, it, you know, in the beginning, it was like, okay, it was me traveling, looking at markets, trying to find properties for people, look, researching the man, property management, researching the market cycles, doing the podcasts, the news, the, um, the, the payroll, all of it, the accounting. Well, I'm at home working on a new website, yeah. editing the, yeah. the podcast. Oh and, man, and mm-hmm. and full time personal coach, you know, at, at the, the time, time. Right. and mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So, um, you know, so it's been so the most recent, I guess, if that's what it was, was Rich and I. Rich had me again. The growth process was to take strategic coach, and one of the things they talk about is your unique ability, and that is you've got to know what that is. And it's the thing that you love, you both love to do and you're great at. Not, not something you love to do and aren't great at or are really great at, but don't love. Um, you know, get someone else who's great at something and loves it and have them do that. And so, um, you know, I love this. I love interviewing. I love being interviewed. I love travel, speaking, writing, um, negotiating deals, finding deals. It's like, uh, you know, I love, I love all that. And, uh, do I like paperwork and detail? I'm terrible at it. I don't even know how to pay a, a, a phone bill. I'm just like a total like idiot when it comes to that. <laughs> and so, you know, and we found someone who loves to do that, who just thinks that numbers and accounting is the best thing on earth. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think a big one too for for me was I was overseeing a lot of the marketing and the marketing plans and the website and our, our CRM and everything. And then we hired a consultant and I was working with him for about a year and a half. He was so good that we said, we want you full time. We want you at Real Wealth Network. We hired him about, I guess it's been three, almost four years now ago. And now he is overseeing a whole department. So anyway, so the lesson in that was that empowering him, whenever he would come to me saying, what do you think I should do here? I would turn it around and say, what do you think you should do? And 80% of the time, it would be the same exact response, um, something I would do. So empowering him. And now he's got a team that he empowers under him. So I think that's the big part of it. 
Yeah, very, he, very absolutely. Cool. Yeah, that's that's an example. This guy is just a brilliant web guy, but was doing it all himself. So even there, Rich is going, man, you know, why are you doing this all yourself? Build a team. He's like, how do I do that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, another great book is Multipliers. Multipliers is really good. The subtitles, how great, the greatest leaders make everyone smarter. So it's like getting out oh. of your own way and empowering people and not trying to be the micromanager. But it really solidified the lesson for me. One of the big lessons in there is the best leaders have desks that lean away from them. So if you put a marble on the leader's desk, it rolls per- toward the person on the other side of the desk which is accountability. So when you drop the accountability, what needs to be done? We often, as business owners, let things roll back to us and say, you know, okay, I'm going to take this on, you take this on. They're talking about let that marble roll toward the other person and always say, okay, what are you going to do and how, how will I know? What are you going to do and how will I know? And not getting caught up into adding, you know, each little to-do adds up major, major time for a, for a CEO. And empowering them, like, how, how would you handle this situation? You know, part of strategic coach is to create a self-managed company, and, and you can't do that unless you're creating and building leaders. So this marketing guy that Rich mentioned, he, had, he, he is now running a full department. He could run the whole company because of how he's learned to be a leader. Uh, and, and the same with, you know, some of the people that I'm, I'm bringing up. And, and so it's so tempting to just be like, oh, I'll just do it myself or I just got to explain every detail. But you, you've got to know that they can handle it. And the only way you can know if they can handle it when you're gone is if they can handle it when you're there. So, you know, instead of doing everything, it's like, tell me, um, tell me how you would do this or, or here's how I'd like it to be done. And, and uh, let me see how you would do it. We use, a, we use Basecamp a lot, too. I, I don't know if you guys use that. That is just mm-hmm. a wonderful project management uh, software mm-hmm. or app. Uh, I'm curious, yeah. guys, in your, in your meetings with your direct reports, <clears throat> do you keep an eye on things like how much am I stating or declaring versus how much am I asking questions? Because that's one thing I've noticed that uh, as I get better at delegating, the meetings become more about me asking questions than, than mm-hmm. guiding or telling them yeah. what to do. Absolutely. And that's what we both went through coach training certification about 15 years ago, a little bit more. And um, that it's just pounding into your head using the Socratic method, asking questions. What what do you want? What could you do? What will you do? How will I know? Always just, you know, those four simple questions right there can really bring out the best in anyone. Another piece to it, though, is not only like training and getting people ready and everything, but it's taking the leap and then doing it. So Kathy and I made a commitment two years ago to go to Europe with our two daughters for a month. And that was that was a stretch for us because we didn't think we were we didn't know if our team could run the company while we were away for a month. And and it went well. It was uh, (laughs) Jeff, you had that that same experience. Yeah, (laughs) you did. Yeah, yeah. Within six months of launching my team in 2011, I wanted to leave for a month to see if my direct reports could run the business without me. And it was a really big turning point in my my life because I recognized that it wasn't just me that knew how to sell houses. I wasn't the only person. And there were other people that could do everything else. Right. And I was like you, Kathy, the things you love and are passionate about. That's also what I love and I'm passionate about. And so it's been very freeing to find people that take the things that used to bog me down that love doing it. And now I get to focus on the things that I love doing. And everything grew when that happened. So because I was able to put more time and energy to the things I loved, I did that more because I love doing it. And everything has taken off since then. So I totally agree with you. It's awesome. Well, and then that's kind of that, that, that dysfunction of nobody can do it as well as I can. Like there's, yeah. there's that, there's that gap to get over. There's a couple elements to that, which is at, at some point you have to be okay with 
maybe a temporary dip where maybe someone isn't going to do it quite the way you would do it at first. But ideally, if you've got the right person, they have the right core values, there should come a point where they don't just do it as well as you do, but they should be able to do it better than you do because you should be putting people in place that complement and not just duplicate your same strengths, which Kathy goes back to what you learned from strategic coach. I've heard Dan Sullivan talk about that. And that part about unique ability is, is absolutely it's, it's such a fundamental thing that you think we all know by now, but we don't and or we forget it. We don't live with it. You know what I'm saying? Like we just don't implement it in our daily lives enough. And if we can do that, like our businesses would take such huge leaps. I think a big challenge, too, for a lot of leaders, Kathy, and then I'll turn it to you, is that we are we're fearful of not being necessary. And I think yes. a lot of times leaders don't know what seat they're going to sit in if they turn something over to somebody else in their whole career. It's a very ego ran career to be in residential real estate. You get, you literally get put on stage and get awards. I don't see accountants being put on stages and getting awards. And so everyone feels so great. So what's going to happen when I quit selling real estate? I did such a good job at it. Where, where's my award? Where's my pat on the back? Yeah. Kathy. Where's the gold star? Right. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. It does feel like, and that was again, our marketing guys question is, well, then I'm not going to have a job if I hire all these people that are going <laughs> to exactly. do my job. And right. you know, what, what value do I have? And, and so, and, and your unique ability is kind of easy, you know, because it's your unique ability and you're good at it. You're competent. You're unconsciously competent. You don't even know you're doing it and you're so good at it. And so, um, it doesn't feel like work. And then that's confusing too. Like, could it really be this easy? So a lot of, a lot of times, um, it's, it's almost like I, I had this vision when you were talking, like, like the conductor of the orchestra, you know, you don't even have to be playing the, the instrument. You're just, you know, just guiding and, and yeah. leading everybody. Yeah. And then even the next step beyond that is then you can bring in another conductor if you want. So you can go take a month off. <laughs> I think that's the biggest thing that I'd love. I just, this one, th- one I just, I heard this and I just, it hit home for me. So, so right there, boom, it was le- the leaders are paid to have effective conversations. And I thought that was yeah, a huge great. one. And that's, you know, when you really look at the biggest pay, the biggest leaders, it's having effective conversations with the people who can, you know, implement from there. Well, and to be effective, the conversation that you're having is actually going to exude change. And so often yes. we have comfortable conversation that nothing happens afterwards. It's that effective conversation that's going to help people truly find happiness and succeed at the highest mm-hmm. level. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, my, my mentor said something here a few weeks back that really hit me. It was something to the effect, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher the phrasing, and God help me if yeah. he ever sees this. <laughs> but but the, uh, the gist of it was this. Persuasion always and necessarily involves violence. Some form of confrontation, like like if there's going to be a change, if you're going to persuade somebody to do something they would not otherwise do, there is a clash of belief systems and ideas that absolutely has to take place. And if you're afraid of that and you shy away from that confrontation, nothing will change. And Jeff, like you said, those if they're if the conversations are going to be effective, there has to be change. You're persuading them to do something they wouldn't otherwise do. Otherwise, you're not having the conversation. Right. Right. So uh, that was something that was interesting to me was you have to be ready, willing and able to have that confrontation and know going in that, hey, we're about to have a clash of ideas. That doesn't mean it's going to be a horribly negative conversation, but you do have to be ready for the, just the violence of that, yep. that input, like getting yep. someone to agree with your idea and come out of it and change their behavior is not something that just happens naturally. It has to be intentional and, and approached. Yep. No, nope, totally really agree. Good. Yeah. Anyway, something All else. Right, guys. 
Yeah, yeah one ahead. more thing, Kathy and Rich, you know, using that analogy of the orchestra and leading and then the person leading that orchestra having the ability to train someone else. A lot of what's come out of this podcast today is training other people. And I think oftentimes we haven't self-actualized enough to see what our unique selling proposition is, what mm-hmm. we're great at. And if the people watching this have yet to scale at a higher level or um, haven't taken the next step to the next level, spend a day or two in Cancun or wherever to really get to know yourself and find out what your passion is, what you love and what you want to do better at and be willing to train other people to do the jobs you know, you don't really love and t- take a week or two or a month or however long it takes to teach somebody else all the things that you do so well. And you might even be taking for granted the fact that you're doing it so well. I have two things on my wall. One says leaders serve followers. And then another big belief system is that all true leaders give all their followers the ability to be just like them. And so with residential real estate, I've allowed all of my agents to build real estate teams within my real estate team. I've empowered them to do it. And I now have those hard conversations where I'm trying to show them why they should. But if that's not their future, that's not their destiny, that's not their wish, they don't have to. I just want everyone to have the ability to be exactly what they want to be going back to the dream manager book and empowering people to succeed at a higher level. So you guys, it's been awesome interviewing you today. Thank you very much. We had a lot of really deep content, a lot of great book recommendations. Yeah. Uh, Matt, I'll steal your fire here. How can people get a hold of you, Kathy or, or Rich, if they want to get in touch with you? What's the best way? Uh, realwealthnetwork.com. And also the uh, the Real Wealth Show is on iTunes, my podcast. And then I have a Retire Rich with Rentals on uh, on Amazon and Extreme Success on Amazon. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And, and then, Jeff, the uh, yeah, go ahead. Yep. Yeah, our team building workshop mm-hmm. we host every month. Um, it's twenty nine ninety seven, and anyone that comes on our show as a guest can come for free. So if you guys want to check out Omaha, October is a great time. Uh, we'd love to host you at our yeah. team building workshop anytime in the future. We usually get about fifteen to twenty team leaders and broker owners out to the workshop, and it's a twelve hour day where we unpack culture leads, accountability processes and strategies to scaling a successful real estate business. And people get to spend time with my two direct reports in my residential real estate business, which is a success manager and an operations manager. And they get to oversee one of our team accountability meetings on Mondays. So if someone wants more info about that, it's on the link on the screen, jeffsworkshop.com. Check it out. Also, I'd love for you guys to give us a review for those watching just to pay it forward to Kathy and Rich for spending their time with us today. Please review us, whatever forum you're watching this on. Some people use YouTube, Facebook. Um, we're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. Please go in, give us a five-star review and Give a couple of sentences uh, as a pay it forward to all of this great knowledge that these guys were willing to share with us today. Yeah. Awesome, guys. Well, that uh, that will do it. Um, Jeff, you did steal in 100% of my thunder, so I'm just going to shut up goal. and end it. That was my goal for your mean comment about how I dressed today. So you deserved <laughs> okay. it, man. I'll keep that in mind. Rich, right. be careful in those adventures. confrontation. Sports. That's right. <laughs> and you up for you, too. I love it, man. This is awesome. This is great. Thank you, guys. All right, everybody that's uh, that's watching live, we appreciate it. I was keeping an eye on the uh, on the comments. I'm sorry we didn't get to everyone's questions, uh, but uh, we'll hopefully follow up uh, with a future episode on that. Uh, until the next time, we appreciate it. Make sure to listen, check out, subscribe, rate us, and do all that fun stuff. And we'll see you on the next one.